not only met, but abundantly so in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can receive the tithes and the offerings, fellas, if you would. And uh, while they're doing that, let's open our Bibles to Galatians, the, thank you, Galatians, the fifth chapter. Let's go to Galatians, the fifth chapter, okay? Galatians, the fifth chapter. We are uh, here in the month of January. The Lord laid it upon my heart to talk about uh, missing the mark, missing the mark. Does anybody know um, what missing the mark is a definition of? Sin. Sin means to miss the mark. Sin means to break God's commandments. And, uh, you know, what we've been doing here on Sunday mornings is we've been looking at some things from the Word of God that we normally wouldn't think of as sin, necessarily, Uh, But yet God looks at it as sin. And remember we had said to you from the word of God that, you know, if you you keep all the commandments but you miss it in one area, you're still guilty of all. Is that correct? And so there's things that are sin that we don't normally think of. Like last week we talked about not living by faith, not trusting God is sin. And a lot of people wouldn't think of that as as being sinful, but but if if you don't live by faith. And trust God, it's sin. Um, You know, the Bible says, for him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is what? It is sin. And so there's a lot of things that are sin that we don't normally think of as being sin, but we practice those things in in our daily lives and we miss the mark and we can get bogged down in the mud or we can circle the same old mountain year after year after year. And we wonder, why are we, why are we stuck in the mud? Why are, we, why are we not progressing? Why are we not moving forward? And, and much of the reason is because we're doing things that are displeasing the Lord and so we stay stuck in the mud. And so today I want to look at two things as it pertains to this. First of all, in Galatians, the fifth chapter, let's start reading in verse 19. Galatians 5.19 says, The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. So, I mean, I think all of us would, would agree that all those things are sinful. Okay, so that's, that's pretty obvious, sexual sins, okay? And then he goes on and he says, Idolatry sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So there's other things that could be in the list that didn't get in the list. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as also I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, is that pretty serious? That's pretty serious, isn't it? People who practice these things. Remember, there's a difference. We told you there's a difference between just messing up and practicing something. You understand that? There's a difference between blundering and then practicing something as part of your daily life. And very serious here. Missing the mark can cost you the kingdom of God. Now, Many of these things in this list, we would say, yeah, those things are sinful. But today, what I wanted to do at least first here is pick out verse 20. The very first word in that verse is, is, is what? 
is what? Idolatry. This is something that as I've watched over the many years of pastoring and just being around Christians, that I have observed probably as much as anything else is the sin of idolatry. The Apostle Paul told the church in Corinth, he said, flee from idolatry. Flee from it. Now, if you're going to flee from something, that means you're going to run away from it really, really quick. Uh, if, if somebody brought a rattlesnake in here, uh, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to, what's, what's that word? I'm going to what? I'm going to flee. <laughs> you know, I, I get a garden hoe and let my wife kill it, you know. But that's what we should do from idolatry is flee from it. And it's interesting that John, go to 1 John 5, 21. 1 John 5, 21. This will be on the screen in the Amplified Bible because the Amplified Bible really tells us what idolatry is, probably as, as good as anywhere else that you could find a definition of it. 1 John 5, 21. Now the Apostle Paul said to flee from it. You can find that in the writings to the church at Corinth. But John, the Apostle John said this, 1 John 5, 21. He said, little children, keep yourselves from what? From idols. He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers here. Keep yourselves from idols. Now he's going to tell us what it is. From false gods. Okay. But now listen to this. From anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God. From any sort of substitute for him that would take first place in your life. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That's pretty clear. Let's read it again. He said, little children, keep yourselves from idols, false gods, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God. From any sort of substitute, Look at that. From any sort of substitute for him that would take first place in your life. Amen. So let it be. You know, idolatry has been a problem ever since the fall of man back in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says in the book of Romans that since the creation of the world, mankind has changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image of made like corruptible man. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. That's been going on, the Bible says, ever since the creation of man, that mankind has turned the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like corruptible man and has worshiped and serve the creature rather than the creator. Do you know there's people that they worship the sun, the moon, and the stars? Did you know that? There's people that worship trees. There's people that worship cows. Is that right? And it's all idolatry. You know, the Ten Commandments 
if you read those, you'll see the first one, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. Is that right? No idols. And then the second commandment, he's even more clear. He says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. But do you know Christians do this all the time? You know, while Moses was getting the Ten Commandments, do you remember what the children of Israel were doing down in the camp? They were committing idolatry, weren't they? Remember, Moses took a little while to get back down there to him, and they said, well, we don't know what happened to him, so they went to Aaron, I believe it was. Is that correct? And... uh, Long story short, he took the gold and the, from the earrings of the ladies and the different things that they had and they melted them all down and he carved out a golden calf, didn't he? And they bowed down and they worshipped that golden calf and they gave that golden calf credit for bringing them out of Egyptian bondage. Isn't that something? Now, while we may not make a golden calf and bow down to it. We may not make a statue and bow bow down to it. We must constantly be on guard and let nothing come between us and God. As soon as anything does, that thing becomes an idol. Now it's interesting, if you go to 1 Corinthians 10, 7, we think about that golden calf that they made that they bowed down to and worshipped it but there were some other things going on there and I'm, I'm gonna at the direction of the Holy Spirit I'm gonna meddle a little bit in your lives today if that's okay usually when the Holy Spirit directs me to meddle people get mad at me I hope you don't get mad at me I hope you hear what it is the Spirit of God is is saying, I trust we've heard accurately from him. First Corinthians ten seven, he says, "Do not become idolaters, as were some of them." Talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness when they were worshiping the golden calf, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Do you see that? They sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now. I could talk a lot about that and that that did have to do with them worshiping the golden calf and all of that. But it wasn't just the golden calf. You know, you can make a God out of anything. And eat and drink. You know, there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking. Rising up to play, there's nothing wrong with enjoying sport and all of that. But when... Leisure time when sports and whatnot become more important to you than God, now there's something wrong with it. Did you hear me? Do you know that a lot of Christians have made a God out of their leisure time? Did you know there's a lot of Christians that, what are we supposed to do on the first day of the week. We're supposed to assemble and come to the house of God. Is that correct? Do you know there's a lot of Christians don't do that? 
they don't see Sunday as any different than Saturday. How many of you know years ago, if you remember, I remember as a kid on Sunday morning, things out in the world were dead as a doornail. Is that right? Because the people of God were going to church. Is that correct? And now Sunday is no different than Saturday. Stores used to close in honor of the Lord. Now stores are open. But to many Christians, as I've observed over the years, Sunday morning is their morning to sleep in, as well as Saturday. I've watched this over the many years. I've watched Christians. They would never, never, never on a work on a work morning when they have to get up and go to work they would never say well you know what i'm going to just uh sleep in would they no because if you don't go to work you're going to lose your job is that right but i've watched multitudes of christians with the attitude on sunday morning well it doesn't really matter if we go to church or not we'll just sleep in that's not good guys The Bible says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Is that right? And so you can, you see, you can get a a nonchalantness, if you will, attitude towards the house of God, towards the things of God. You can miss the mark. I think going to church on Sunday morning should actually be more important than going to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, you see. Leisure. Nothing wrong with having leisure, nothing wrong with resting. God wants us to to do that. But when it is more important than God, it becomes a problem. Sports. I enjoy sports. I love sports. And this can apply to men as well as women. Sports, uh, 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 gardening club, it it doesn't matter. You know, God's not against the gardening clubs. Did you understand that? How many of you know God's not against sports? But when the gardening club, when the painting club, when the sports become more important than God, now we're missing the mark. And there's idolatry. Probably the best example of this years ago, how many of you remember when the Rams were on their run up to the, to the, to the big win in the Super Bowl? How many of you know God's not against the Rams? He's not. How many of you know God loves the Rams? You know who I'm talking about, St. Louis Rams? How many knows who I'm talking about? I watched that back in that time and as I I watched it in the natural and as as I would pray and seek the Lord, the Lord was not pleased with a lot of what went on. I'm talking about what I saw here in the city of St. Louis as it pertains to Christians. The Lord was not pleased with that, with a lot of what he saw. You mean God was against the Rams? No. Was he against, was he against uh, the Rams, you know, coming to the forefront and went, no, no, not at all. What the problem was is when the Christians in St. Louis, not all of them, but so many of them, 
got more excited about the rams than they were about God. Did you hear what I just said? Nothing wrong with being excited about the rams. Nothing wrong with being hip, hip, hurrah. Nothing wrong with that at all. But when that takes precedent over, how many of you know we ought to be hip, hip, hurrah and more for Jesus than the rams? That's all I'm saying. But I watched this, and, and I stood in this pulpit one, one Sunday morning, and, 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 and it just came up out of my heart. Boy, I took a lot of criticism for it, but the Spirit of God just was real strong on me. And I said this, I said, a lamb died on Calvary's cross, not a ram. And I mean, you'd have just thought I threw the bucket of cold water out. I mean, you'd have just thought I blasphemed the Holy Spirit when I said that. It went over like a lead balloon, you know? And I don't mean just here in this church. I'm talking about in, in what I saw in St. Louis. And God was not pleased with that. It was idolatry. Realize, say idolatry. It was idolatry. Plain and simple. When the Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals, I, I, I really like the St. Louis Cardinals. I root for them. But, you know, I root more for Jesus than the Cardinals. I'm, I'm all for the Cardinals winning, but we ought to root more for Jesus than the Cardinals, you know. I remember uh, we had a church service one night back many years ago when the Cardinals were playing a game to, uh, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was a World Series game. And, uh, I, you know, we had church and there was just, I mean, you could probably count the people we had here on one hand. Well, where was everybody? Well, they were home watching the game. Now, is, now that's years ago. I don't know if any of y'all were even here at that time, so I'm not pointing any fingers. But how, uh, real loud, what is that? What is that? Jesus is having a service. He called you to be here. Is that right? Oh, well, Pastor. Well. Look, don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what I feel the Lord wanted me to stand up here and talk about today. We need to keep God first. Is that right? Is there anything wrong with enjoying a cardinal game? Not at all. But I think when we get to the point where, okay, uh, there's a service and the cardinals are playing, the rams are playing, the only way we're going to get the Christians to come is if we put a flat screen TV on the back wall, take the Jesus as Lord down and put a flat screen TV back there. Now, you know, guys, that's, I don't want to take the Jesus as Lord down and put a flat screen TV. How many of you know I want this to be a church, not the love boat? Is that right? I want to still be a pastor and a man of God, not the director for the cruise ship, the love boat. Can you say amen? I want, when you go to our website, I don't want you to be, to see, ooh, but the anointing gets on me. I, I, I told my wife I was going to be good, but I just got to say it. When you go to our website, I don't want you to be enticed with a bunch of social activities, I want you to see Jesus on that website. Can you say amen? amen. Now, am I, do I like social activities? Yes, yes, a million times yes. But, but Jesus has to be more important, and the Word of God has to be more important than the social activities and the fellowship. Can you say, can you say amen to that? Amen. I, I'll point the finger at myself. Years ago, we t- talked about going to church on Sunday mornings. Hey, 
look, I used to put golf ahead of God. I used to Sunday morning was a good day to go out and play golf and, and, and morning get out there and have a gambling game and win some money, you know, because I was a pretty good golfer. And there were, there were days I'd, I'd call into the, I, I, one day I called in and told the pastor at the last minute, I can't come and run the sound because I volunteered to do the sound, did the announcements and whatnot. But I called in, I can't do the sound. Called him right at the last minute. Called in and said, I can't do the sound. I was much younger then. Didn't know what I know now. I can't do the sound. Well, why not? Well, I got a golf game I'm going to. Now, that's, now what's, what is that plain and simple? That's idolatry, isn't it? And probably some other things too. But isn't it good that we can repent and Jesus will forgive us? Isn't that wonderful? So I'm not taking a holier than thou. I've, I've missed it. I'm not taking a holier than thou attitude. I've missed it. But, but you see, if, if you don't have somebody to stand up and point some of these things out, we can just go right on. And continue to circle the same mountains and stay stuck in the mud. And I don't want us to continue to circle the same mountains. I want us to move on with God. How how about you? Amen? You know, King Solomon, how many remembers him? The wisest man that ever lived other than Jesus. He apparently had a problem with idolatry. I know he did. There's no apparently about it. The Bible says, and we could look all these verses up, but, but for the sake of time, the Bible says Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. See, there's nothing wrong with having chariots and horses, but when you accumulate them just for the sake of having them. I have a little bit of a problem with this. My wife will tell you, I I have a tendency to want to accumulate things. Now, usually women have more of a a problem with this than I do, but, or than men do, but like, like nice clothes, if you're not, I have, accumulate these things, hang them in the closet, stand there and look at them before I go to bed at night. Is it all right if I just confess my faults to you? I'm getting better though. Amen. A lot better. Amen. I've changed a whole lot of things, haven't I? See, food, until about three months ago, food used to be a God to me. I had to judge myself in that. It's not my God anymore, is it? Accumulate things. And, and Solomon, King Saul, he accumulated horses and chariots. God warned, you know, it's interesting, God, how many of you know he knows the end from the beginning? And so he'll warn us of things to be careful of. And he warned uh, the kings, he warned them not to accumulate horses unto themselves. See, today it, it's not so much horses, it's, it's cars. Do you understand what I'm saying? Things like that. Does God want us to have a nice car? Sure. But he doesn't want that car to become a God to us. Does God have a problem if we have nice clothes? Not at all. But, but, but that clothes shouldn't become a God to us. Does God want women to have nice shoes? Oh, oh, oh I'm on a holy cow now. I tell you. Yes, he does want you to have nice shoes. He just doesn't want those shoes to be more important to you than him. Do you understand? Are you okay? Are you all right? And not only did God warn the kings about the horses, but he also warned them not to accumulate wives to themselves. 
You can read that. See, because I get people come to me at times and say, how come they got to have a bunch of wives in the Old Testament? God warned them not to do it. You know, having more than one wife has never been the will of God. He made Adam and Eve. Did he, did he, he made Adam Eve. He didn't make him a bunch of wives, did he? No. And in the New Testament, it says, let the, let the pastor be the husband of one wife. Is that, is that right? So there's nowhere in the Bible that you can ever find there's, it's God's will to have more than one wife. I've got one. That's enough for me. She's enough to. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. And she'd say the same about me. She's a blessing. But one's enough to. But the Bible says that Solomon, we're talking about, what are we talking about this morning? I, and, and he accumulated not only horses, but he accumulated wives and concubines, a concubine basically, much we could say, but they were there just for sexual intercourse. He had 700 wives. He had, let's see, he had more wives. No, he had 14, how many? He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horses. And 700 wives. So he had more horses than wives. 300 concubines. That's 1,000 women. Did I do my math right there? But you know what? If you read on in Scripture, the Bible says his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God. That's what, idol- that's what idolatry does. It turns your heart away from God. In addition to material objects, idols can be people. Do you know that you can make a God out of another person? Did you know that? I watch this very oft times between boyfriends and girlfriends. And in the dating stage or the courtship stage of a relationship, it's real easy to make a God out of that person you're dating or courtshiping. Did you hear me? It seems like marriage somehow or another fixes that problem. Is that good? That was good and it's true, isn't it? Isn't it true? I've watched people in the dating stage and when they first get married in the first weeks of marriage, I mean, it's real easy to make a God out of the person that, you, that you're dating or seeing. I've watched it where, I mean, Diane and I, I used to, we'd spend all day together and I'd be with her till late at night and then, and then I'd leave her and on the way home, I'd stop at this store up here because it was on the way, didn't have cell phones back in that day. They weren't invented yet. So I'd stop and did the two dimes in and call her on the phone and say, do you miss me? And one night I talked her clean to sleep. I mean, I'd just been with her. It was 10.30 at night. I left, I went 10, 10, th- left her at 10.30, called her at 10.40. And, and we talked for about another 20 minutes. Said, Diane, are you there? Are you there? Diane, are you there? <laughs> now, we still love each... Actually, see, that's why you need to come to the marriage seminar. We, haven't had, we don't have a perfect marriage. Nobody does, but we've got a pretty good one. And I love you more today than I did back then. I know. But you know as well as I do, haven't you seen people in the dating stage and they just can't get enough of the person they're seeing and then after a couple of years of marriage, they have had enough of the person that they're seeing. Is that right? We don't want to, you know, did you know you can make a God out of your children? 
How many of you know God wants you to love your children and, and all of that, but you can make a God out of them? They should be important to you, but they shouldn't be more important to you than God. I've watched people make an, make an idol out of, an, out of a pet, an animal. You should love your animals, all of that, but they should not be more important to you than God. How many of you know in India they're starving right now with, in many places with, with cows walking around in the street? Is that right? Because they think the cows are, are, are gods. Is that correct? Idols can include sports heroes, other stars, fame, reputation, hobbies, deeds done in the name of the Lord. How many of you know your job can become an idol to you? The Bible says, Isaiah said this, he said, their land is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. Your job, hey, you got, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. It, your job should be important to you, but it shouldn't be more important than God. Is that right? And people have, a lot of times make a God out of their work, their career. Well, God, God knows you, you, you need a good career and all of that and a good job and all that. that. That's good. But you understand there's nothing wrong with a lot of these things as long as you don't let them ascend and become more important to you than God. He's, he's concerned about your job. He wants you to have a good career and all of that. He wants you to love your children and, and provide a good home farm and all that. He just doesn't want any of these things to become more important than him. You know, in, in King Hezekiah's time, the people made an idol. You know what they made an idol out of? Remember that, that when, the, when the serpents were coming into the wilderness and they were biting the people? Remember that? And the Lord directed Moses to make a serpent out of brass and put it on a pole. Remember that? And everybody who looked upon that, that was a type of Jesus. Remember that? How many remember that? But that brass serpent that he, that he made and he put on that pole and lifted it up. And they looked at that brass serpent. And everybody who looked at that, they, they, they didn't die of the serpent bite. Uh, do you know in, in the process of time what happened? The people took that brass serpent and they made a god out of it. And they burned incense to it, and they worshipped it, and they gave, even gave it a name. It was called Nehushtan. That's what they called it. And Hezekiah, a godly king, came into power, and he had that thing broken into pieces. You know what? I, I want to stand here today as a man of God under the anointing of God, teaching the word of God. And I trust that the anointing of God through these words we're, we're speaking will come into your life and break into pieces any idols that you might have in your life. There was a, a God that they set up next to the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God? Remember they set that God named Dagon up next to that Ark? How many remembers that? And, and long story short, that, 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 that they, they came in, I think it was the Philistines. It was the false God of the Philistines. And that thing eventually was decapitated by the power of God and it fell over. How many remembers that? And that's what I trust the Spirit of God is going to do in your life here today as you listen to this message. Anything in your life that is more important to you than God, I trust that, that the arms of that thing will be, you know what I'm talking about, will, will be removed and, and, and the thing will fall and not stand anymore and that God will ascend to the place that he should have and that these other things, you know, should, 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 can be in your life, but they just shouldn't be more important to you than God. Can you say praise God? All right. Ephesians 5 5. I want to close the, this part with this, this here, and then I want to talk about one other thing, and then we'll be dismissed. Look at Ephesians 5 5. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or 
All right, fornicator, unclean person, that's pretty, pretty clear. Nor, nor what? Nor covetous man that, or woman who is a what? So if you covet, you're equal to a what? Idolater. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of, of Christ and God? Is that pretty serious? Covetousness is pretty serious. Somebody said, what is covetousness? It's desiring with all of your heart what another person has. Being consumed with, I want what they've got. I want the car they drive. I want the house they live in. I want the watch that's on their wrist. I want their set of golf clubs. I want their set of steak knives. I want it, I want it, I want it. And you're consumed with it. And the Bible says that if you do that, you're an idolater and it's going to cost you. Is that right? Is that right? Did you know God will require you to give up that which is or could become an idol to you? How many remembers a rich young ruler? He came to Jesus, said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus starts quoting him some of the commandments. Remember that? And the young man said, all these things I've done from my youth. But you know, God knows if there's something in our life that shouldn't be there or if something's out of whack in our life. And remember that young man stood before Jesus. He said, all these things have I kept. And Jesus said, you still, do you lack one thing? Remember that? He said, go sell what you have, give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, uh, go go uh, take up the cross and follow me. How many remembers that? And, and, and what did the young man do? He went away grieved and sorrowful. And he walked away from Jesus' invitation because he had great possessions. I like to say it like this. The great possessions had him. And it cost him. God's, has, God has no problem with you being prosperous. What he has a problem with is when the prosperity has you and that's more important to you than him. And God will always ask you to give up that which is or has become or could become an idol to you. That's why if, you know, it's like sports, like golf. If I want to keep golf in my life, if it becomes an idol to me, God's going to take it away from me. He's going to ask me to lay it down. But if I'll keep that golf in proper perspective, then I'll get to keep it. Did you hear what I just said? If money, see that rich young ruler, money was his God. Jesus went on to say, he said that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished out of measure. said, who then can be saved? He said, "It's, it's hard for those who trust in riches. See, the problem that that young man had, it wasn't the riches. It was that he, say, trusted in, he trusted in them. They were a God to him, an idol to him. And it cost him. Probably cost him eternal life. He walked away from Jesus. That'll cost you eternal life, won't it? So money kept him out of heaven. Is that right? But it wasn't money. It was the love of money. The Bible says it's the love of money that's what? The root of all evil. Now, I'm almost done, but, but, but I, 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 I want to share this next thing with you before we, we close. We talked about idolatry, but go to Colossians 3 and 8. It won't take as long with this as I took with the others, but, but I want to get this across to you because this is something here that needs to, be, needs to be dealt with. It's really costing Christians. And, and a lot of times I think it's happening, you don't even realize it. Colossians 3, eight. 
But now you yourselves are to put off all these, that means stop doing them, all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Okay, okay. All right, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Okay, but then watch this next one. What, what else are we supposed to stop? Filthy, what? Language out of your mouth. Okay, so somebody said, well, wait. Now, he's talking about filthy language out of mouth, cussing. He's talking about cussing. Much we could, how many of you know gossiping's filthy language? Is that right? How many know backbiting's filthy language? Is that right? Uh, uh, lying, filthy language. Much we could say, but right now, the Spirit of God wants me to talk about cursing. Now, you might say, well, you know, Pastor, I don't curse. Well, just hold on, just listen. Ephesians four twenty nine to thirty one. I want I want you to see this because you need to grab a hold here of what we're talking about because it's it's it, we live with this every single day in some form or fashion. Almost every Christian does. Ephesians four twenty nine verse uh, verse twenty nine was it let no what corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Did you know the Holy Spirit can be grieved? Did you know that? By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, somebody would say, well, you know, pastor, uh, I would never cuss. I would never curse. Have you ever heard a preacher cuss? I have. Shocked the living tar out of me. Shocked the living daylights out of me. I've heard several preachers cuss over the years. You need to understand something. Preachers are still human. Do you understand that? Preachers shouldn't cuss though. And you know Christians shouldn't cuss. Somebody said, well, I I don't cuss. Yeah, but do you approve of those who do? Look at Romans 1 verse 32. Look at Romans 1 32. 132, uh, Romans 132, I need verse 32 up there. It, it, It lists a bunch of sins and it says, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things. So if you were to read up above this in your Bible, you'd see that, it, that the Holy Spirit lists, uh, 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 Paul lists a whole bunch of things, you know, Holy Spirit through Paul lists a whole bunch of sins. And they says, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who what? Those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also what? Approve of those who what? Practice them. Now, listen to me. I know, and I'm not going to be real popular for what I say here, but I, I believe I'm speaking of what the Spirit of God once said. I know that a lot of Christians, including you all, would never cuss. You'd never take the name of the Lord in vain. You'd never use the F word. You wouldn't do that. But would you go to a movie? We're talking about missing the mark here. Would you go to a movie that has that in it? Would you sit and watch a television show on your TV at home that has cursing in it? Uh, one preacher said this years ago and it really, when I was a young kid, I heard him say this and it really stuck with me and I can't better it. I'll just tell you what he said. He said, so many Christians would never cuss, but they'd go to a movie and pay money to watch a movie and 
they wouldn't cuss themselves, but they'd pay other people up on the screen to do their cussing for them. I know lots of Christians, they would never cuss themselves. I know some of them that would. And if you cuss and you repent, will Jesus forgive you? Sure. Peter missed it there too, didn't he? And he re- but he repented. But guys, we live in a day, we live in an hour right now where this is as bad as I have ever seen it. The Spirit of God has had me mention this from time to time over the years, but, but it has gotten to a point now where it's as bad as I've ever seen it in the body of Christ that Christians wouldn't cuss themselves, but they'd go to a movie or they'd watch something on television loaded with cursing and they'd sit there and watch the whole thing and it wouldn't even phase them. How many of you would agree with me if you're truly a Christian and you curse, the Holy Spirit's going to be grieved on the inside. Is that right? But, but how many of you, if you're like me, you've been sitting there watching something on television and they say a curse word. Doesn't something happen on the inside of you? Huh? Now, if it doesn't, guys, you need to check up, guys and gals. You need to check up and see if you're really saved, if you've really made Jesus the Lord of your life. Because if you've really made him the Lord of your life, when that cursing starts, there ought to be something on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit, he's on the inside. There ought to be some grieving going on in there. But yet we live in a day and an hour where, where Christians will, will, will say, hey, I went and saw such and such movie, and man, it was great. And, and Diane and I will, we, we happen, because we go to that Plugged In, have you ever heard that uh, Focus on the Family have, has a website called Plugged In, and you can go get the reviews of movies there? And we'll go and we'll look and we'll see that, well, let's just, let's just talk about what's going on right now. Have you ever heard of the movie Lone Survivor? Well, if you haven't heard about that, it's a movie that's real popular right now. It's about a Navy SEAL team in Afghanistan. And listen to this, on Facebook, because my wife follows that some, Facebook, and I'll look at it some, there are numerous Christians, I just saw this just the other day, numerous Christians, including some pastors, are going to see this movie and applauding it giving it great words of accolade. Lone survivor. Numerous Christians, including pastors. And I'll say it, I'm talking right here in St. Louis. Numerous Christians, numerous, including some pastors are going to see this movie. They're applauding it, giving it great words of accolade. You'll you'll see, went to see Lone Survivor, great movie, really enjoyed it. You'll see some other Christian click in. And well, I like the fact that you went and saw that movie, Lone Survivor. See, it's, it's bad enough to do the cursing yourself, but, but if you go and pay money to sit through a movie that has that in it, and you sit through it, and you, you, you're applauding other people for their sin, there's something bad wrong. Now you say, well, what, well what's so bad about the lone survivor? What's so bad? Well, well go to the plugged-in website by Focus on the Family, and you'll find sexual... Con- now listen to this. Sexual content... One of the Navy SEAL rookies recites a team mantras or, or, or theme or whatever that is sprinkled with macho sexualized references to male and female genitalia. 
In other words, slang words that they're using for the male and female genitalia. Okay. You're saying, all right, well, well, that's bad enough. Listen to this, guys. Well over 150 F words in that movie. And I'm not talking about fine, fabulous, fantastic, friendly. We're talking the F word. Over 150 times. And you've got Christians, numerous, pastors even, went to see it, loved it, great movie, fantastic, wonderful. Christians on Facebook, like, like, like. You better watch what you're liking, like, like, like. You you like the fact that a pastor went to see that movie and had a great time with it? Guys, if I, look, if I went to see that movie and you found out about it, I would expect you to question whether or not you should ever come back to this church. Did you hear what I just said? And if there's no repentant attitude in me, you shouldn't come back. How many of you know Christians shouldn't be watching that? And pastors certainly shouldn't be watching that. And I stand up here and I say this stuff and, 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 and I've been shouted down over the many years by so many people. And they say, you're, you're judgmental, you're this, you're that. Look, I'm not judging anybody. Look, I, I, look I'm, check my pockets. I don't have any rocks here. I'm all out of rocks. I, he that is without sin casts the first stone. I'm not going to throw any stones at anybody because, you know, I, I'm not perfect. But guys, I have a responsibility because I love you to stand here and tell you the truth. And, and this is one of the reasons that this church is not the most popular church in the St. Louis area. Because I say stuff like this. But I'm going to tell you what, this kind of stuff needs to be said. Because you wonder why there's no power in the church. You wonder why, you wonder why, you wonder why. Well, you don't have to wonder much further than what I just said here. This, is hap- this has happened, say easy stages. This has happened to the church by easy stages. Do you remember Abraham? He he obeyed God. He listened to God. He got right where God wanted him to be. And then the Bible says by easy stages, he wandered back down. He wandered down into Egypt. Egypt's a type of the world. And that is what has happened to the body of Christ. God has given us directions. We obeyed. We got right where he wanted us to be. And then by easy stages, you know, things can happen to you. And easy stages, you don't even realize it's happening. Easy stage. How many of you? If you're like me, you've been driving down the road and you turn the, you turn the radio up just a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit. You're driving down the road. You don't even realize it's loud until you get out going the quick trip and you get a you get a diet coke. You come back, you get in the car, you turn the car on, and what happens? You're blasted out. Well, how did that? Why wasn't that bothering you a while ago? Because it happened by what? By and that's what has happened to the body of Christ. An F word here. And this, that wasn't it. They had word, curse words to start with B. And, 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 oh, and, and it said that God's name is taken in vain two or three times in that movie. How many know one time's too much? Guys, we gals, we, can, we, we, we can't take the, I'm talking about GD. You understand what I'm talking about? Guys, we don't say that stuff. Christians don't talk like that. 
Is it, I, Christians don't talk like that. I mean, you know, God's not the dammer anyway, is that right? But Christians don't talk like that. And, and Christians don't sit through movies with that in it. Christians don't sit and watch television shows with that in it. Now, if you're like me and my wife, we've watched shows where they've come on and, and, and at first curse word, you know, or they throw one of them out, what happens to the clicker? You change it. Realize they change it? But I'm telling you what, this is a serious problem right now in the body of Christ. This, you might not cuss yourself, but sitting and listening to other people do it in a movie or it, it needs to be judged. We need to judge ourselves. The Bible says if we judge ourselves, we'd, we'd not be judged. If we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. Do you still love me? And guys, I, I, look, I'm going to dismiss you in just a few minutes, but I, I'm not here beating you over the head. I'm not, I'm, I don't have my tablet here with the Bible in it beating you over the head. But we live in a, did you know we live in a pornographic society? Do you realize that? We live in an obscene society. This society in which we live here in the United States has become pornographic, pornographic it's become obscene. And by easy stages, it's worked its way into the church. And so many churches, and I'm not here to judge people, but I'm just telling you, a church ought to be a church, not the love boat. You know what I mean by the love boat? How many of you know what I mean? You know, we're just a big play, playhouse, but we ought to have love in the church. That's not what I'm talking about. How many remembers love boat from the 70s? That's what I'm talking about, where it's just one big happy game. That's all, you know, just, just this activity that there ought to be some preaching of the word of God in the church. There ought to be some worship in the church. There ought to be some holiness in the church. Is that right? I didn't say a holier than thou attitude. I, I mean a love of God and a holiness in the church. Is that right? There ought to be a waiting on the Holy Spirit to move. There ought to be, there ought to be love between Christians. There ought to be, and there, my goodness gracious, you know, and I will go this, I will say this. I think God hates to hear gossip and complaining worse than cussing. Can you say amen? I'd almost rather have Christians in my church cussing than talking bad about one another. Did you hear what I just said? But this cursing thing, and I think it happens to a lot of people. You go to a movie, you pay your money, you get in there, and they start cussing. And, you know, we ought to check movies out before we go to them. Can you say amen to that? If they got name of the Lord in vain or curse words in it or sexual innuendo, we just don't go. I say we just don't go. I said, we just don't go. I wonder how come, boy, this is strong in me to say this. I wonder how come they make all those movies with those curse words in it because people pay for that. And if we quit paying for it, guess what? They'd stop making it. And I I tell you what, there's enough Christians in the nation that, I tell you what, there's enough Christians in the nation we could swing elections. Did you know that? If we'd all speak up. And I I guarantee you, if enough Christians stop going to see these R-rated movies... PG-13 movies, PG movies with anything with cussing in it, sexual innuendo, any name of the Lord. If we stop going to see that, I, I think in the process of time, we'd see Hollywood maybe start making some clean stuff. Is that right? I don't know. I don't know, but I do know this. I am not. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. So you do what you want to. I've told you what I need to tell you. You do what you want to. I'm going to love you either way, and so is the Lord. But as for me and my house and this house of God, there's not going to be, we're not having gossiping in here. We're not having cursing. We're not having crabbing. We're not having complaining. We're going to walk holy before the Lord. Can you say amen? 
And if all I have left to preach to at the end of the day is you, then bless God, I'll preach to you and we'll go have a snow cone. Amen? Did you get anything out of this? You okay? You still love me? Stand with me if you would. I preached on a little too long again today. but Heads bowed, eyes closed. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you into a relationship with Him. There'll be some men and women standing up here in the front when we dismiss the service in just moments from now. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't know what would happen to you when when you die. You don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell. Well, He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. That's why He died on the cross, shed His blood, was raised from the dead. So you don't have to go to hell. But to miss out on hell and make heaven, you got to accept Jesus with a repentant heart into your life. So there'll be some men and women standing up here. If you need to receive Jesus, you come up right after we dismiss and say, hey, I want to know Jesus. And they'll introduce you to him. Amen. If you need healing in your body, you need some other prayer for something or other, just come up. These people will be up here. They'll, they'll pray with you. But now, as we close the service, as I'm talking to Christians here, I want you to take just a couple of moments here right before we dismiss. And I want you to judge yourself. Guys and gals, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to beat you over the head. I'm not here to put you down. I'm here to love you. And because I love you, I've told you the truth. It's my job, a God-assigned job, a calling to stand here. And at times, I need to point out things that may not be right in your life. Not to put you down and beat you up, but to say, hey, that's going on. And you might be sitting there saying, I didn't even realize I was doing that. I, I need to, I've been missing the mark. I'm going to repent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge myself. I'm going to change. And man, I tell you what, you do that, you change and you ask the Lord to forgive you. Boy, he'll forgive you just in, a, in, a, in a, just a split second. And he'll never bring it up to you again. You go right on down the road. So if you've been doing something here that you shouldn't be doing. You've had something in your life, some idol or something. Pull that thing down. Pull it down. What do you mean pull it down? Repent of it.